2-1. And Jackie hits one toward the wall and left. Going back to Gonzalez. He is to the track. He looks up and is off the wall. Bogart scores. Pierce behind him. Here comes Devers around third. He will score. A two-out. Bases clearing double for Jack Bradley Jr. And the Red Sox jump in front 5-4. And the 1-1 to JBJ. Swing it a high drive to right field. Reddick going back. Back to the warning track. This ball is going. And it is gone. A grand slam for Jackie Bradley Jr. The pitch. And he swings and drives one to deep right. Back it goes. And this ball is long gone. Two run homer. JBJ. And the Red Sox have the lead. 6-5 Boston Jackie Bradley Jr. with nine RBIs in this series. And the Red Sox have won the American League pennant for the 14th time in their history. He is Jackie Bradley Jr. and he is your ALCS MVP. Welcome back. It is a brand new episode of the Obstructive View Red Sox podcast. This is episode number 26. Jackie Bradley Jr. has been released by the Red Sox. We're going to give you our reactions. I am joined by my co-hosts. We have Miggy down in Texas. Miggy. Good morning. You guys woke me up straight from a nap, so that's always fun. We did, but it's for good reason. It is for good reason. Um, We have Jamie down in South Carolina. Yep. I was, Miggy, I just hope that you, um, you know, you had a good, good nap there. Happy that you were able to wake up for this. But I hope you had, you know, some happy thoughts there. I did. I was thinking about that clown I sent you. All right, we're not even getting into it on the episode because that's not what this is about. <laughs> but you, but for disclaimer, for background purposes, for our listeners, um, Miggy sent me a picture of the demonic clown from It as a GIF, which is just messed up on so many levels. Um, so yeah. Welcome to the episode. I'd kick it over to Steve, but he um, is once again not available to record with the podcast. Uh, Steve's in love, so he's not able to record. So we'll give him the free pass. I just have one request from Steve that, you know, I have one request from Steve, even though he's not present. You know, if this turns into a marriage or, you know, what it turns so we get at least like prime seats at the wedding. I feel like we deserve that. I'm just playing. I'm just thinking out loud here. I just want to get that off my chest. Just have an open bar, please. Yeah, look, that's you, you do open bar and I'll take care of you in the card. If it's not an open bar. I, mean, I won't be there. Yeah, I mean, I'll go. No, I'll go. I'll go to a wedding. Are you kidding me? I'll fucking cut a rug. I, I have no problem with that. So let's not put the cart before the horse. I mean, they've been dating for 15 minutes. So, but Steve, <laughs> hope you're enjoying your summer with your gal. Um, you know who's not going to enjoy his summer any longer is Jackie Bradley Jr. He is unemployed. Red Sox this morning designated Jackie for assignment. And then about five hours later, it was reported that the Red Sox then in turn released Jackie Bradley Jr., ending his tenure, his second stint with the Red Sox. Just, uh, I guess, your initial reaction when you first uh, found out that JBJ was DFA'd. Start with Jamie. I wasn't surprised, to be honest. Obviously, he hasn't hit that much this year. Um, I feel like with what happened with the trade deadline um, and just how, you know, the vibe in the clubhouse that there are going to be some moves coming up, and he hasn't really done that much with the bat. And I feel like, you know, he's known for his defense, and he was average – you know, this time around, he obviously had some Jackie's plays. 
um, to add to his highlight reel, but it wasn't like his defense was out, you know, out of the world, out of this world. So, you know, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, kind of, I guess, more surprised that they released him so quickly after, uh, but I wasn't surprised that he was DFA'd. I yeah, mean, I think. And going off what Jamie said, if there was a way we could have had him just hit at Fenway, because obviously his numbers are better there, that would have been nice, but there's no way we can possibly do that. I know uh, I've seen a lot today that maybe this means good news for Kike coming back, who I'm not too sure I agree with that because it feels like it's been three months since he's even seen the field, you know, on rehab or anything either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and like Jamie said, his defense has been league average too. So that's the reason we bought him back here. That's still iffy there. Yeah, you know, um, I'm not surprised that he was DFA'd. Um, I'm sure they tried to trade him aggressively at the deadline. Um, ultimately, that didn't that didn't shake out. There were some rumors that the Phillies checked in. Um, the Phillies went another route. You know, JBJ at this point of his career, he's not the same guy. You know, he's not JBJ who uh, you know what six years ago went and and hit 26 homers, drove in 87 RBI. Um, hit 267, made the all-star team. It's just not the same player. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not surprised that the Red Sox decided to go another direction. He ended up being the, the roster casualty to make room for Eric Hosmer, who came over uh, from San Diego. So um, I think it makes sense. And I know there's a portion of the Red Sox fan base that, you know, they don't agree with it and they want Jackie to be around. Um, I, I just, I look at it from the perspective that, you know, we fall in love with, with these guys who play here in Boston way too hard. Um, and I respect, you know, I respect who you want to like, you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're an Arroyo fan or a Bradley fan, or I don't know, you pick a place, a Salamura, like if you, if you love these guys, great. That's awesome. Like we're all going to have a, a certain player who has like a special place in our heart, but I think we need to call for what it is. Jackie Bradley Jr. was not the same player and certainly wasn't the same player that you, that you were hoping for in that, in that Hunter Renfro trade, which now leads me to that. Does this trade look bad ultimately? And I know there's, there's people there's again, the fan base split on this down the middle. Um, they either love it or you hate it. I think it's a story. I think it 100% is a story. I think that it should still be talked about, but from a different perspective, not so much the return, it's more of, in my opinion, that the Red Sox did not do anything to formally replace Hunter Renfro. Jackie Bradley Jr. was not going to be that guy. He should have been the fourth outfielder, and then they should have went into free agency and got another outfielder. Instead, we went with Arroyo, and we went with Bradley, which wasn't the answer. Wasn't the answer. Bradley has been, and again, I, I kind of poo-pooed on this in the last episode, talking about the word cooked. Bradley was cooked but in the other direction, he was done. And Arroyo hasn't played enough to give us the confidence that he can be an everyday player. So Jamie, yeah. how does this trade look to you right now? I think to me, I mean, to me, it looks bad. You kind of mentioned it. He wasn't the same player he was. Um, it's not like Renfro's lighting the world on fire, but he's doing about 240 with 14 home runs, which is a lot better than what JBJ is giving you. And it's not like, you know, they trade for JBJ coming off a good year. He was horrible from, from Milwaukee last year. Yeah, he um, three last year. Exactly. You, you know, they do it, do it, 
didn't do anything to replace the offense. Like you said, they try to make him a starter rather than a fourth outfielder, which he should have been in the first place. Um, and the prospects they got aren't really, you know, they're not setting the world on fire. Benelis is hitting, I think, in the 220s. Um, yeah, Hamilton is a stolen base. Backs. 50 stolen backs for Hamilton. True. And I'm not which, saying I mean, that. And really quick, I'm not saying that in a tone of sarcasm. I, I mean, like, he's got 50 stolen bags. Like the kid is having a, a great year on, when he's on base. Sorry. Very good. I think, too, um, you know, he's the highlight of that trade right now. And when, you know, you gave up what you did for Renfro and the impact he had, and the offense has struggled as much, you know, as they've had this year, and Bradley doesn't even last a full season in the second, you know, second instant. Um, you know, I feel like that's the worst outcome. I mean, I feel like part of the trade you can't judge is because of the prospect aspect. We're not going to know how good those guys will be in the majors until they obviously are in the show and we're still at least a couple years away from that. So there's also kind of that part you can't grade. But if you're looking at just at the moment and the production they got at the major league level compared to who they gave up, it's just one of those moves by Bloom that kind of had you scratching your head. And especially when they're, you know, four games out of the wild card spot, those 14 home, home runs from Renfro would have helped with that gap at some point. I think Bloom got cute. I think he did. I think he got cute. I think Bloom. Yeah. And look, don't get me wrong. I have no issue in trading Hunter Renfro. None whatsoever. He had a career year with 31 homers, 96 runs driven in, career high in hits with a buck 35. You want to go ahead and try to cash in while, you know, the iron is hot? By all means, move him. If, if I, do it. I, that's, there's no issue with that. I have no issue with getting Alex Benellis. The Red Sox were interested in drafting Benellis <clears throat> before Milwaukee did. No issue with Benellis. David Hamilton, I mean, what he can bring, like, again, we, we kind of see it in flashes with Jaron Duran, right? Jaron Duran brings a speed element that we haven't seen since Jacoby Ellsbury. Now, Jaron Duran is, is not consistent enough to really flash that speed, and we don't know what David Hamilton's going to be yet. So the verdict is 100% out of those two kids. And I don't want to go ahead and, and completely write them off. I think that's it's not fair. It's disingenuous as, as Red Sox fans because if you do that and then they go and pop off at the major league level and then you fall in love with those guys, you're going to be a fraud. So I don't, I don't want to do that. Is it really fair to be upset with time, though, for, you know, you guys said he's bringing him in for the fourth outfielder? No, not he, at all. He, I, he no, did I, bring him in for the fourth outfielder, but at the same time, he didn't realize that Kike was going to go down for as long as he's been. So, And, and I respect that. Trust me, I get that. But Bloom had the ability to add another outfielder. Yeah. He didn't do. Yeah. And, you know, online, you know, when I was kind of going back and forth with a bunch of different users, someone brought to the attention saying, well, did maybe Heinblum, um show a little bit of loyalty potentially to, to Christian Arroyo? I don't know why he would, but it kind of makes sense a little bit because the Red Sox haven't really gotten to see what Arroyo would be like as an everyday player, not hurt. Arroyo has spent a lot of time on the IL over the course of his short time here in Boston. Now, if we can see what Arroyo is going to be not injured and he plays, let's say, well, let's call it, say Arroyo plays 110 games. What does that look like? Yeah. And maybe that's what the Red Sox were hoping that maybe he would play up, you know, Bradley plays 90 Arroyo does 60 in, in the outfield. And then he platoons in other spots in the infield. But I think history has shown that Arroyo is not that player. 
Yeah. So that's, that's been his kryptonite since he got drafted, you know, that he just could never stay healthy, whether it was in the Giants organization. And then once he got flipped in the Longoria trade, it was the same thing while he was in Tampa. That's a good point. I think there's something to be said where if you're a highly touted prospect and you're drafted in the first round and then you're traded, you know, in a Longoria deal, which is great. Longoria was the franchise player in Tampa. But when San Francisco goes, uh, I'm sorry, when Tampa goes and, and, and DFAs you, I'm sorry, trades you, and then Cleveland rather DFAs you, I think that's, that, that says something. At some point, you fall out of favor within the organizations that you're with. And I'm not, this is not about bashing Christian Arroyo. Not, not at all. I think, it's, I think it's a matter of, let's say it for what it is. Christian Arroyo is not an everyday player. And if you're a team that wants to go back to the, to the ALCS and then get over the hump and be a World Series contender, Christian Arroyo should be, a, should be basically what JBJ should have been. He should be another infielder that comes in and spells Xander for a day off or should be playing now when, when you know, a Trevor Story is out on the I.L. I'd rather, I'd rather have Christian Arroyo out there than Yolmer Sanchez. Now, Yolmer's got a gold glove. Uh, he plays a gold glove infield. He's a gold glove winner. But I'd rather have Christian Arroyo there because I think he's a better player. But had the Red Sox in the front office, after they made that move, went out and legitimately got another outfielder. And I'm not saying that you need to, guys, you shouldn't, re- they don't need to replace 31 and 96. I don't think you need to do that. But the Red Sox showed interest in Tommy Pham in the offseason. They let the Reds sign in. So at the time, what was it that, did, that stopped Heim Bloom from going the next step to just securing Tommy Pham so that way he can be the left fielder and Verdugo going over to right? What stopped the Red Sox from going the next step? Because when you trade for the guy that you didn't want to ultimately go and pay, why not just go and do that and, and get ahead of it? JBJ is now your fourth outfielder. Him hitting 210 doesn't hurt you. We don't have Christian Rowe waving his hands in right field because he can't catch a fly ball. Theoretically, Verdugo catches the fly ball and we're good. Yeah. And we've talked about it in the past, too, in the last couple of episodes, just how the depth this year wasn't, you know, what it was last year. And that was a big part of their success. And you have guys like Arroyo that you have to rely on and you're putting them in spots where they haven't been before in their career and they're not coming through. Uh, which is no fault of their own just because it's an unfamiliar position. And this is, you know, this is what you get. The position player depth right now to me, guys, is very similar to 2020, where the Red Sox would just go and throw the uh, Ryan Webbers of the world. At the time, Jeffrey Springs sucked. You know, he wasn't what he was now in Tampa Bay. Chris Mazza. Zach Godley. Like, who? Zach Godley. Zach Godley. Like, those players, right? Yolmer Sanchez is that version of the pitcher now for the infield. Yeah. Yolmer Sanchez, you know, maybe maybe a 10-game stint, boom, go back to Worcester, boom, we're good. But I, I'm really, like, I want to know why the Red Sox didn't prioritize trying to have better depth on the Major League roster. Like, I, I love the fact that this team was two wins away from the ALCS, it just really feels like this team peaked at the wrong time where this front office wasn't ready to commit. They wanted to be competitive, but not to the point where they can be truly competitive, where they're doing what New York just did at the deadline. 
No, I'm not even going to put San Diego in that lump because what San Diego did is desperation. I, Juan Soto is a great player, but what San Diego did is desperation. San Diego had to pay what they had to pay, so the Los Angeles Dodgers did not get Juan Soto. I, AJ Preller could not lose to Friedman one more time. <clears throat> they lost out on, on Max Scherzer. They could not lose out on Juan Soto. Yeah. Now, if they do not win the World Series in the next two years, Preller, his job is, in my opinion, I think his head's on the chopping block. That's I agree, because this is like the fourth kind of major trade he's had. I mean, he's brought in Machado um, when they won the added Hosmer in free agency. I mean, Preller's constantly adding big names the last two or three years, and it hasn't worked out. We're also <laughs> touching back on the death piece. Death, death piece. Um, that, like that you brought that up. What finds like what confuses me the most too is how you know Bloom comes from an organization in Tampa Bay, which is known from turning depth guys into all stars. So you know you feel like that's one part of the roster construction. He's done it. He did it for like ten years, um, and it just hasn't translated this year for whatever reason. I think it's the players. It's the players that he that he acquired. That's just really what it comes down to. It, it, it really what it comes down to. Uh, Miggy, I think you were going to say something. Sorry. No, I was going to say at some point, Heim's got to realize that this isn't Tampa. I know we've talked about that a lot lately. You know, here in Boston, you're able to buy. This isn't Tampa where you can just build your your farm and everyone's okay with it. You have the money. Go buy those guys. Get the depth that we had. We saw him miss out on Iglesias right before the lockout happened. You know, you, you have a guy like that that bought what he did to us there in the late, the late part of last season and helped us make that run. He just let him walk because, you know, it, I feel like, you know, I've heard it elsewhere too. The Trevor story was a desperation thing that he did to try and save his job, kind of fell into his lap. That's a hot take. That, 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 so that's not like you, Miggy. You don't do this on this podcast. You do not throw out those hot takes. I disagree. I disagree. I, 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 so I don't think Trevor story was desperation. I think the Red Sox had genuine interest in Trevor story. Um. Yeah, but was, was that interest before the lockout, or was it, oh, hey, the lockout just ended. We haven't done anything at second base. We have those guys on the on the left side of the infield. Maybe we try and make this move because we so can. I, I think your question is very fair. But had Bloom, I, I think Bloom identified out of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, that story was the guy that he wanted, which is fine. Had the Red Sox not signed Trevor Story and then Xander walks, that's bad news. So I get why you say that he did that to save his job. I think the Red Sox had genuine interest. I think maybe Trevor Story was trying to weigh out his options. I bet you Trevor was trying to, like most free agents, he was trying to get that back. He was trying to get deals similar to Simeon. He, he thinks himself in, in that in that category. Those deals weren't there. There was concern about his elbow in throwing. Teams wanted him to play other positions. I find it to be also worth noting that other teams that he negotiated with wanted him to play other spots. So the Red Sox aren't the only team that asked Trevor Story to play another position. Other teams yeah. are asking to do that, which means they probably don't see you as a shortstop for the future. So my concern is... You're going to, let's say Xander does walk story. Well, I guess it makes sense. Story only plays shortstop for three years. And then one of those kids comes up there, your shortstop, Trevor moves over and we're good. Or they trade him and we move on. 
I don't think that's desperation. I think that made sense. Trevor Story was that right-handed bat that he was talking about. I think fans really thought that right-handed bat was going to come in in the form of an outfielder. And I wish that Story didn't get hurt because, guys, I think that if he didn't get hurt, then you could compare the Story and Renfro move apples to apples, and you can't do that now because of the time that these players missed. Story's going to miss, what, six weeks? All yeah. said and done, right? We probably won't see him till September. So all said and done. So I don't think it's desperation. I, I personally don't. Um, I think that's a player they probably targeted. Maybe Hein paid a little bit more than what he wanted to pay. But I think the move on, on the, on the, for the landscape makes sense. My, my thing, though, would be is that if you're willing to go that length for Trevor Story, you need to go the extra mile for Xander Bogarts. And we've talked about this in a handful of episodes because, again, that's, that's someone that this team developed, which is the message that you're trying to send now to your organization, developing talent, organizational talent for long-term sustainability. On today on Felger and Maz up here, they were talking about how there's data that was showing that the, the reason why the Orioles made the moves they made at the deadline was that there's this like five-year window uh, in like the betting world that the Orioles are more focused on the five-year window of winning a, a, being consistent World Series contenders and that the Red Sox are basically in that same boat. And that's fine. And I, and I go back and we listened to one of the things that struck me the other night was when Bloom said that the puzzle is incomplete. I don't think he just meant that for the trade deadline. I, I, I genuinely think that his feeling of like, quote, the puzzle is incomplete still means this team is not what he wants it to be overall. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. going away is not a major deal to me. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to pound this into the ground the big deal to me was that you did not go and try to replace Hunter Renfro's bat in some capacity, even at a, a player that's 70% of what he was. You wanted a piece work that with Arroyo and JBJ, and that's not going to work for a team that wants to get back to the ALCS. Oakland has Arroyo and JBJ in right field, and they win 70 games, if that. Not the Boston Red Sox. I actually had a question I wanted to ask you guys since we're on the Bloom Bloom talk. What do you think about how we said three days ago that, you know, he was going to be on the road trip for the, on the rest of the road trip and that he has basically an open door policy to talk with these guys. Um, and they especially, I forget what reporter from the globe, but they kind of singled how, how Bloom was like specifically Bogarts um, and just about how about he's having an open door policy with the team about the direction. What do you guys think about, you know, that coming out Miggy why don't you start that I, I saw that everywhere too everyone was talking about that everyone I think everyone has the same consensus that this is Himes okay I'm losing the team here I gotta go in I gotta try and regain everybody that's why he dove in and said directly I want to talk to Bogarts first that's the first guy I want to see you have Bogarts's comments and you know that he said he wasn't too happy he felt that they lost the trade deadline so um you know, I think that I, – I personally think Himes shouldn't be allowed back in Boston until he gets that extension with, with Bogarts as they're going to sit down and talk with each other. But, um, you know, I want to ask you since, you know <laughs> – oh, go for it, Chris. 
Sorry, I had to use the restroom while you were speaking. Um, first off, does Heimblum's open door policy apply to podcasters? That's my first question. Because I think it question. should, you know, on a personal personal level. I I know we know things. one fan that would want to talk to him. There's a well. <laughs> we know which one I'm thinking about. I would want that conversation recorded. First of all, uh, press press zero. Yeah. True. Sorry, she's no longer she's you she's blacklisted. Um, so here's the deal. I want to know why High Bloom wasn't there in Houston in general. Yeah. Why like why wasn't why was it all hands on deck, the entire front office down there? I, I like I think that's a valid question. I think if you're going to trade a clubhouse favorite no matter whatever your standing is, I think you need to be available to your players and justify it. Not that I want to go all money ball on you, but uh, remember that scene where you got uh, you got Billy Bean and they have uh, David Justice. And it basically says like, hey, we're going to practice how to let go a player. And he's like, well, why do I ever need to do this? I think Heimblum needs to go back, watch that, just that one clip. Because I think Bloom should have made himself available a little bit sooner to these players. True. Well, that also leads into my follow-up for both of you. Um, what do you think Jamie, about – Right here. Jamie? I know. Jamie. I'm like, I was prepared. I was, you know what? I did some prep. I was pumped for the pods. I did some, some prep for this. Um, not that I, I always do prep, but this was more prep than usual. Um, but also, I guess my other follow-up with that is this might be – just me like grabbing at straws. I just really want to get into it. What do you think that makes about his future in Boston? Just by the fact that this only happened after his players called him out very publicly to the media. You know, I feel like, you know, if Xander didn't say what he said, does this even happen? Um, <clears throat> I firmly believe that the Red Sox acquired Eric Hosmer because of the backlash from the fan base. I think someone in, in the ownership group whether it was Sam Kennedy or John Henry, he's John Henry to me is like weekend at Bernie's guy. He's alive, but he's not, he's just there. He's like this. <laughs> and then you just nudge him, John, Hey, we need you. you know, like that's what happens, right? That's what I think happens. Um, I think someone who's somebody within the Red Sox said, Hey, look, dude, like you got to do something because the fans are, are, aren't pleased. The media is kicking our dick in. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I for a while thought that anything that Tony Maserati said on 98.5 was cleared through like Nesson and the ownership group. He's been ripping the Red Sox. Yeah. This is someone who is ripping the Sox and his second job is a Nesson analyst. And he's and he has right to go ahead and rip this Red Sox team and the ownership and everything else. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think Eric Hosmer, one, he's free. Like, you're paying what? 700000 Nothing, right? You're paying nothing. That's like that's like going to the ball game, and I say, hey, Miggy, I want you to buy the fucking hot dog, but I'll get you the ketchup packet. Like, that's what that is. They, you know, so it's cheap. I like the move. Don't get me wrong. I think Eric Hosmer is going to be a professional. He's going to be a veteran. I think the Red Sox need a few new voices within that clubhouse. I think that will be good kind of break up some of the the status quo of what was there, whether they were getting stagnant or stale or whatever. 
but no, I, yeah, I, I think that they, that someone said, Hey, look, you need to do something positive because you're, we're losing the fan base and you lose the fan base. Then you're losing out on the hot dogs, you're losing out on the beer and the tickets. And honestly, you know what I think is the, the biggest deal of it all. And I'm going to be Chris conspiracy theorist here. The Nesson app. The Nesson app is $30. Who owns Nesson? John Henry. That's a long-term piece as well. All of this ties together. It's like peel back the onion, connect all the dots. I feel like I, you know, we're in a meeting and I'm one of your bosses. Like, all right, we're going to connect the dots, guys. We're going to peel back that onion. And you're like, ah, oh, Christ. But then you go and like on your ride home in the car, you're like, you know, that, that dude actually made some sense, but I want to admit what he just said was right. It's like... I think the Red Sox ownership is like, there's a lot of other things that's going on. So I need you to do something. That's the Red Sox did. They did something. They got a name that everybody could gravitate and latch to. And he he doesn't cost them anything. But I think you asked like, how long does, does Heim last though? Is that what you said? Yeah. I guess my, my other question was just like, how does this make you feel basically the fact that this probably only, this wouldn't have happened if his players weren't so publicly, you know, so public about ripping him. Within that, after the deadline, and uh, and look, I, I think I've said this before. I'm gonna say it again. This off season is going to make or break how long Heimblum is going to be with the Red Sox. This off season, yeah. I'm not saying that he needs to make the moves and they need to win the they need to go ahead and win the World Series the following year. But this off season is going to make or break if he goes and and Xander signs with someone else, and he trades Raffy. And I, like, I think whether that comes from ownership or that's just something he wants to do, I don't know how you, I, I don't know how you can, how you can even remotely go ahead and try to um, justify that because then you, then you validate, validate the, the statement of fans being like, well, the car was Mookie Betts and Andrew Benatende. And uh, J.D. Martinez. I, I think what you do is you validate all those Bloom haters. Um, this offseason is, is going to be the, is the biggest offseason of the Red Sox probably mm-hmm. in the last 30 years. I think the last time the Red Sox had a, a super impactful offseason was when they got Pedro and they got Manny. And, and that like time frame, like that five-year window, I think, and then obviously David after that, this offseason is huge. It's, it's going to set the tone for what this Red Sox team is going to be. They're either going to be, quote, the Red Sox, or people are going to be justified in calling them Tampa Bay South. That's just my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree, because I, I feel like we've talked about it before, but everyone else in the division is, get, is getting <laughs> better. Uh, but I also really wish that we need to do a live episode just so people could see like the reactions and that's what you're doing why. right now. Everybody is hating on a high blow. He's doing such a fun um, job. Cause this is, this is what I call legendary content. Um, and I'm trying to keep a straight face while you're doing what you're doing, but um, I, I agree. I agree with you. What I'm you said, you look, at, Three <laughs> look at where the division is um, and how the trying to keep it real guys trying to keep it real. No, that's why we love you. But it is Second make podcast it in Boston, trying to keep it real. <laughs> Jamie, I get the I, Orioles. If the Orioles take the next take the jump next year, like they are right now with playing about five hundred and just more kids next year, 
and they get ahead of the Sox, like Boston Red Sox Twitter might burn. Because, you know, we all love Trey Mancini, but, like, we can't, like, that he's not there anymore, so we can't, like, give that as a default. Hey, he isn't, he is a, just a great human being. Home yeah. run from yesterday still hurts, but, like, great guy. You know, Jamie, Jamie, I asked Chris, and I asked Chris the other day, too, kind of hinting on right now what you just said about would Heim have been in Houston if it weren't for these comments that just came out. I was about two, three hours before the trade deadline, you know, the clock went out. Xander was Xander came out and said that he didn't feel like there was much done on this team to help make this push. Do you feel like that went into a why they didn't necessarily trade JD and Nate just to kind of prove to Xander and Devers, hey, we're gonna try. I mean, two weeks ago he came out and said we're gonna make post. We're trying to make postseason still. You think he kind of felt, you know, foot on his neck? I need to keep these guys so my word actually means something to these guys. Yeah, I feel like that was part of it, especially you know with. <laughs> the fact that they're gonna be convincing Devers to stay long term. Yeah, put the shit on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> live. God damn, this is like the hardest I've ever tried to keep the straight first during this episode. It's really, it's really hard. Um, That's what she said. But <laughs> I say I even lost. I even lost my train of thought. We're talking about Xander. We're talking about what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. To be honest with you. I was like about to go into a good good rant and I forgot it. Oh, it's about the meeting. Um, because I also saw that the whatever they were asking teams for a volley that was like over the moon. So I feel like part of it too was just like Bloom had a crazy or high asking price for these guys and he wasn't gonna give them up to see them up. He should. I'm Even though he should have, I'm not saying he made the he did the right thing. I'm just saying what I saw from like what the moon is to high bloom from what the mid. Exactly. I mean, especially with a dude like Evaldi who has like three months left if they don't make the playoffs, whatever it is. Uh, but I do think that's part of it. If you're going to, like, convince Sander to stay and say to Devers, we want you to stay here for the next seven years. Because if they trade those guys, they both would have been like, eh, do you really commit to us? Like, <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say because Chris is grabbing his nose. So here's the thing, right? They traded Christian Vasquez because they didn't want to give him the qualifying offer. Christian Vasquez is not, what, an 18, $19 million a year catcher? What was the last catcher that got the qualifying offer? Do you guys know? Because I I, mean, I do, I'm a, but do you guys know? What year, do you know, what year was it? The last, the last catcher that got the qualifying offer. It was in the last, like, three years. For some reason, I want to say Travis Darno, but I feel like that's not right. Yeah, that's not right. Randall. I don't know. Oh, Yasmani with White Sox. Did White Sox give it to him? He got that. He got the QA. He got the QO, right? Christian Vasquez, if you don't deal him and you go in the offseason, you give him the qualifying offer for, we'll call it, let's just say for the sake of this conversation, we'll say $19 million. I, if I'm Christian Vasquez, I'm going to, I'm, I'm hitting the accept button like immediately. Third, well, however old he is at 19 million, yeah, of course, take it. Vasquez is probably at best a twelve million dollar a year catcher. I'm just throwing numbers out there. Twelve million. To me, I think. I, agree. I think if I think if I think it's very disingenuous as a fan base if we think Vasquez is going to re-sign back with the Red Sox, no matter what he's saying. Yeah, he's talking. No, about- I, agree. I saw a lot of that on Twitter, and I feel like that was kind of fresh off the trade. He's obviously going to say that he's not going to be like, "Yeah, I'm not going to come back to Boston." Like, how else are you supposed to respond to that? I mean, when when does when does players come back when they're traded? It's very few and far between. Very very few and far between. 
I can see Christian Vasquez going to a team like the St. Louis Cardinals. Like to me, to me, the Cardinals scream Christian Vasquez with Yadi retiring. That's what I, to me, that's what I think is going to happen. But I don't know. I, you don't trade JD if you can't find the package and you don't trade Nate if you can't find the package you want. Just give him a qualifying offer. Maybe they're not 19. I mean, to me, I would like to try to see if, if, if JD can find a deal around that per year with another team. Maybe the Mets just go and you know, say, hey, look, we'll give you 20 per for the next three years. I feel like they want to throw cash around. They'll, they'll do that. I don't know if Epler will, but maybe they, maybe his owner's like, yeah, we need to do that. Um, I still think it's going to take like 20 plus million to keep Nate here. I think it's 22 million to keep Nathan Evaldi here. And I, I, I just don't see the Red Sox doing that. And to be honest with you, I don't think they should not, not for that amount. But the problem though, guys, is that free, the free agent market is so thin. So you go ahead and you offer the Q, you offer the qualifying offer and you get the you get the compensatory picks and hopefully you roll the dice and you get the player you want. Sure. Well, how, how much? All right, so let's play a little. Let's play a little free agency roundtable right now. What is the most you guys? What was the most you would give Avaldi on the open market? I to me, I think he asks to. All right, so I think he's. I think to me, I think he's a twenty-two million dollar year pitcher in the free agent market. So I think three at 22 is the max that I would go per year. I think that's fair. I agree with that. Maybe you do something similar to what John Lackey signed with the Red Sox, where if like he got hurt, like that last year is like, I don't know, 750,000, whatever Lackey, remember that year that Lackey, Tommy John, that he came back that last year, he made dick for money. I I think that, that type of deal probably makes sense. Or Nathan Evaldi. Yep. I agree with that. I, I think Christian Vasquez, like I said, is at max three years, 36 to 40 million, and that's max. I don't think you give him anything more than that. He had a career that year this year, but he wasn't good last year. He was a he was he went rogue on the base paths. He thought he was Ricky Henderson whenever he got on first base. <laughs> uh, stealing, he was just he just said, shit, I'm gonna go. So Christian thought he was he was Ricky Henderson. And that drove people crazy. We have all the sentiment of like, oh, I love you, I miss you, Christian. Bye, I love you, mean it. But last year there was a ton of people that, including myself, I, I'm disavow myself, but bashed him for being Ricky Henderson on the base paths and and running into outs. Verdugo was the same way. Verdugo ran into outs like it was like you read about, right? But I think three years, thirty six to forty million is probably Vasquez's, in my opinion. That that's my opinion. Now, as for JD, I, I think it's that's an interesting conversation. I think the JD market, that I think that sways, right? I think it depends on the team. I think he's gonna have a market. I think his market's going to be robust because the DH is available all across the league. You might have a team like Baltimore who thinks like, hey, I want to start to compete a little bit. Maybe they go out and say, Okay, JD, here's you know, three and sixty, three and sixty-eight. Something weird like that. You know, um, I don't see New York getting involved unless they lose out on on Judge and you want to make, you know, want Stanton to play. But I, I just don't think there's a fit. I think the team in Queens is the fit. I think Dodgers. I would love that, though. What? JD, JD in a Mets uniform, I feel like that would be a good fit. 
you know, what other teams that are, you know, that kind of on like a little bit on the come up that might want to go ahead and spend a little, you know, a little bit of uh, currency on, on a free agent. I don't know. Mariners, um, maybe Seattle. Seattle could. Yeah. Seattle could. Jerry DePito is, he's, he's, a, he's like, it's always sunny. He's the wild card. Like he's kicking the back doors open and running out and yelling wild card bitches. Like that's, that's him. That's what that guy is. Uh, Rangers. Yeah. I, and I mean, you, you made the point too. Rangers, you just said that. Chris Young is, is out there. He's signing everybody, writing checks. They got a multi-billion dollar stadium and, and their team isn't any good. Uh, yeah. Hey, that could be very much of a conversation. Sure. And this is off topic, but I feel like since we're like kind of bringing it up now, I feel like the Mariners could be a sneaky team to watch in the winter just because they just, you know, they just traded for Castillo. So obviously they're at the point when they're kind of going for it. Mm -hmm. So that's a team that for the, the pod that we record like months from now when we do that i'm going with america's team because obviously they're all in right now america's team yeah all right here's, here's, i'm gonna give you my thing on that right <laughs> don't go and tell me i need to root for the seattle fucking mariners all right the, the team has not been relevant for 20 what years since the yeah, last like they, were relevant when they won like 900 games in the regular season and they went into the postseason they got their pp slapped they're, they're not a relevant baseball team. I like the move for Luis Castillo. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a great move. I think you put him with the rotation you have with Robbie Ray, who I still kind of think is a little bit of a fraud. I don't think he's the Cy Young pitcher that deserved the money, but good for him. He cashed in. Um, I think their, their offense is electric. Julio is going to be a superstar. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they that America's team, quotations – yeah, I, I think that they could be a team that you want to watch out for in, in, in the offseason. But don't forget, guys, too, many years ago, America's team, you know, the one that we're calling them now, they had some cash and they signed Richie Sexton, who didn't – he didn't pan out. And uh, and our old friend – remember Adrian Beltre? He was yep. in Seattle, too, and he he was not good in Seattle. He was what one would call horrendous in Seattle. Did not live up to that money, leaving L.A. So – but – Hey, if, if Seattle wants to go ahead and, and throw some money around, that's fine. Sure. I like this. I'm getting, I get questions asked to me now. This is nice. I felt like for one night, you know, take, take a little of the load off your shoulders. You know, you usually carry the question. I want to, I want to give you a night to share your thoughts. Maybe you got any questions while we're asking questions about the questions. Questions about the questions for the questions, the questions about the uh, questions. Steve, you got any of those questions? Does Steve have any? No, no, he's not here. Steve. Steve. No, Steve's Steve. Not here. Wait, where are you at, Steve? Yep, Steve's not here. See, let's see if he answers us. Steve's missing. Steve's missing. Are you gonna call him? Yeah. <clears throat> but this was the uh, while you're calling Steve. This was the JBJ show, and you know, I, I do want to. I would. I would think it would be wrong on our part to not go ahead and recognize that that JBJ had that massive home, those home runs in the ALCS in 2018, that grand slam, the two run shot. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for his stick, I don't think we'd go to the the World Series. He had that home run off of Clayton Kershaw in the World Series in Game Three. Um, so I know that we want to go ahead and 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 bash him for his bat, but Jackie Bradley, when he got hot, he was one of the hottest hitters in the league. He's built for Fenway. Unfortunately, he's not built to be an everyday major leaguer any longer, and it just kind of falls under it is what it is. I would not be surprised if we hear that JBJ signed with the Yankees or, or a team of that nature. Um, <clears throat> yeah, well, I feel like too, Chris, kind of touching on that, that 
this is the part of his career when JBG, JBJ, just JBG, JBJ starts to bounce around a little bit. I just, we put a lot of letters in there. Um, but where he kind of bounces around and gets DFA'd or he's kind of just like that veteran piece that keeps getting picked up to a degree just because of like where his bat is. Well, the reason why I think New York, and I know they just got Harrison Bader, but he's on the I.L., you bring JBJ in, doesn't have to do too much. Just goes in there, understands the he understands what the what his job I think would be. Understands the situation, AL East, all that other you know. That could be that could be a fit. I could also see him as a guy that doesn't play it all again this year, and he goes into the off season. He one hundred percent signs a minor league deal. I don't think anyone gives him a major league guaranteed contract. Um, you if you said to me if one of you guys said hey look uh, the Orioles signed JBJ for the year to a minor league deal and it maxed out at like 4 million. Yay. Like, I think that's it for him. That's just me. But, you know, take away what he does on the field. I've heard nothing but really good things of him off the field. He, he's, he's very big in the community. Super nice guy. People that I've, that I've talked to, you know, they have nothing but really good things to say about Jackie Bradley. And I just think, you know, as from a fan standpoint, we are so fixated on what we see on the field and we go to baseball reference or stat muse and we see that their WRC plus is whatever it is. And we want to get the pitchforks ready and, you know, throw the spray charts out there. But I think JBJ is a human being is a good dude. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to see the guy not play anymore. Um, so we'll see what happens for him, but we should recognize that he was a contributor at times with this Red Sox team, a lot of really good moments that we got to celebrate specifically in 2018. I was in Orlando uh, at a, at a work conference and I was, so Nike was hosting a party and the thing was lame as shit. This is Nike. Nike's hosting the party. This party was lame. All right. Lame. They gave out two tickets for, for two beers. Thanks, Nike. You're a billion-dollar company. Thanks for buying really? me eight dollars in beers? beers. Yeah, thanks for buying me eight dollars in beers, right? That's messed up. But anyway, the party was lame, and I, so I I end up saying to my boss, I'm like, hey, look, um, just give me a heads up, but I'm gonna go to the bar upstairs because the Red Sox are about to play whatever game it was against the Astros. She's fine, do whatever. One of the other uh, my coworkers heard the same thing, so her and I went up. And then more people were like, oh, where'd they go? Went up to the game. So like my group that I was with was up there. And I remember we were standing off to the side of the bar and it was, it was my district as well as another part of the district, uh, another um, district in the region. And then Houston's district was the other side of the bar. And we would cheer anytime the Red Sox did anything. And we, we brought the place down when JBJ hit the grand slam and everything else. The reason why I lost respect for Houston that night was that group of people went and complained to uh, the human resources reps who were also there that we were too rowdy at the Sounds bar. like Houstonians. Yeah, like, come on, let's not be, a, like, we're, gonna, we're gonna complain that we're, that our team went and, and, and took care of business. Get the fuck out of here. Sure. Right, this the World Series. Details in that, cause I'm not gonna go ahead and give this company free publicity on the podcast, but. But no, I, I, I agree there because I feel like obviously his tenure ended um, less than ideal. But if you look at it from a whole, he had a lot of great moments in the playoffs, a lot of great moments in the regular season, like when he had that 25-game hitting streak or whatever that was a couple of years ago. Um, 
and regardless of how things were going on the field, uh, you never heard anyone say anything bad about him in the community. Um, I feel like that's all you can really ask for for a ball player who you developed and spent as much time as you did in the organiza- organization. Yeah, JBJ was class act. And again, all kidding aside, <clears throat> you know, if it wasn't for him, we don't we don't celebrate what we got to celebrate. Um, you know, that that offseason. So um it's unfortunate that that's that this is how it ends with JBJ being released. But um, you know, I do think the Red Sox are better than what they were last week, even trading. Vasquez I do think this team is better a little more balanced you now have a first baseman um you know Hosmer I theoretically should be a massive upgrade over Franchi and Bob you know hopefully Tommy Pham uh he had what a hit the other day a double whatever it was he was tossing around the bases too he kind of stood out to me yeah. On that, on Rafi's double, he was like a man possessed. No one was stopping him from scoring. Went from first to home, yeah. Yeah, I, and I think too, like Fam has, you know, I think he has a reason to, you know, now he's on a team that might be able to get into the postseason. There's more eyes on him. I think there's a reason he's a free agent again. I think there's a reason to maybe be competitive and and try to, you know, lay it all on the field. He's also not getting any younger. He's like 35. You know, his next deal is probably not going to be a massive one, which maybe makes sense. And he could come back here to Boston. Um, you know, so I, I don't, yeah, you know, JBJ has gone, but I don't see this as a bad thing. I think the Red Sox did the right thing by, uh, <clears throat> by moving on from Jackie Bradley Jr. So I think Heim did the right thing in that respect. Um, I don't think it was wrong that he reacquired him in that deal for Hunter Renfro to recap. I just think the Red Sox did a poor job trying to figure out a way to replace on Renfro's bat. So Twitter, if you go ahead and look at what I posted, I'm not being, you know, a, a Hunter Renfro hardo and can't let it go. I don't care that the Red Sox traded Hunter Renfro. I could give zero fucks that Hunter Renfro is now a Milwaukee Brewer. I don't care about that. I care that the fact that we were told that the Red Sox were going to upgrade the outfield and they upgraded with Christian Arroyo, who's an infielder, and Jackie Bradley Jr., who is a career 228 hitter, who had a buck 63 last year. That's what I care about. That's what I care about. Yeah. So, gentlemen, any final thoughts as we as we say in every episode, we start to land this plane, put your uh, seats in the upright position. Any last thoughts? We'll go with Miggy. Football's back. What are you looking at? <laughs> oh. <laughs> What are you talking about, me? What's back? What happened? Well, football what? is back. I had me a nice little parlay today. Dude, we don't want to hear about Kyler Murray and how he's a top tier quarterback. Okay? I'm not ready for that. They, what do they have? Prop bets for training camp? Is that what we're doing now? They actually have bets for training camp. I don't know. No. No, me, what did you bet on then? The under in the Hall, the Hall of Fame game. Set at There's a bet for that? Yeah. It's a football game. Wrong? All right, what was the – tell me and the listeners, what was – even though game already played, but, like, what was the what was the line that everything? Oh, we, 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 we won big on the Sox winning and uh, – We fucking French. I didn't get a penny of that. We. <laughs> 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 the Sox winning. Yeah, my bank, my bank account was the same when I woke up this morning. What are you talking about? Yeah, oh, I mean, mine too. Don't worry. I didn't get, I didn't get to win that. Did you see how much they got from winning that Mega Million? Yeah, it really makes me – whenever that happens, 
I kind of like regret not doing it because even though the chances are like less than 0.0005%, I'm like, damn, so much I would do with that. What did they just piss you off though? Like it was at one point, like 0.7 billion and they only walked away with 440 million. That's how much they lost in all the taxes and everything. Yeah, but I could get over that really quickly once I get that 4.4 million in my bank account. <laughs> I'd be pissed for like 10 minutes, then I would like see the update. Then I'm like, okay, I can live, I can live with this. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, so, all right? Well, all right, let's get let's get wild. I do have a final final thought and final question. If you guys won the Mega Millions, what's the first thing you buy with that? For was it 4.7? 440 million. With the four hundred forty million, Chris, you go first. First thing you buy, oh, the just f- give me like fast reaction. Give me five seconds. Hit with it. The first thing that I buy, huh? Um, you want? <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's a good question. First thing that I would buy, um, to be honest what? with you, I'd probably get so fucking cocked. I would get I would get drunk beyond my actual like limit. Um, I would have a night. My first night, I wouldn't even care. Not even having the money, I'd max out credit cards. I, you know what I mean? I'd be putting up pat light receipts on Twitter and saying, that, <laughs> you know, X amount of things of Avion and Don Perion and I don't know, Bud Light, whatever, whatever was on there, right? Uh, I don't know. I would probably, I would have a good time for the first few weeks, Robert Kraft style. Mickey, <laughs> what, 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 what's your answer? Probably tell off that the first night, go out, give me a nice little bottle. And after that, I don't know, I'd probably take a trip somewhere. But like the, the boys, the, if one eats, we all eat. The boys are going to take us a little trip. We oui. French again, huh? Oui. So we're going to France. All right. So Pod goes to France is what no, the I'm conclusion not, so we came to. I'm the mega millions. I'm not going to go to France. And, and I didn't say I was going to France. Yeah, I'm going to be riding the Eiffel Tower and waving the French flag. Wearing a Manny Ramirez jersey, I'm not gonna do that. I, to be honest, I'd probably go. You know what? I'd go. I would fly across the country. I'd go to. I would probably go to Vegas. I'd probably go to L.A. And I'd stay out there for like three weeks, and just have a good time. I, I, you know what I mean? I would be, you know, the real. I, mean, I can't say housewife because I'm not a girl, but I'm not a, I don't know, I'd figure something out. I'd be the real podcaster of L.A. Be walking around Louis Vuitton loafers or some shit like that. I don't know, Lululemon underwear. I would go crazy. I'd go, let's go wild. Let's go bubble. You know, let's have a night. You know what I would do? I'd give some money to Steve so we'd get him every damn show. That's what I would do. No, I mean, right, right now, Steve, I think, is more of a future guest than he is a co-host. <laughs> we good. Pay him right. You get $100 an episode. Yeah. Like, you, sh- you show up and you talk to me, just bless me with your presence. Here you go. Yeah, Steve is Steve is our Pete and, uh, Pete and Pat. He's our he's our PP is what he is in this episode. So I'd give Jamie a damn like beach beach toy or something since he's always at the beach. Oh my god, I'd love a beach toy, dude. I went today and I went today. I didn't have a beach toy. I wanted yeah. to build like a sandcastle. I couldn't do it. It was kind of sad. Huh? And I played beach volleyball and I got like in the face four times. So that was also a painful experience. Huh. Um, yeah, that's my final thoughts. Didn't couldn't make a sandcastle today. Is what I'm taking away right now. Kind of sad, but you know, always next week. Hi, man. Am I buying? I'm probably picking back off Chris. I'm going on a trip. Like, I'm going to West Coast. I always want to go to Seattle. May go to Seattle, San Diego, and just stay out there for a couple weeks and have a time. Yeah, I'm staying in the Continental. That's for sure. I'm staying within the Continental. 
Um, maybe I do Hawaii. Oh, I'd yep. I would do that in the fall when it gets cold here in Massachusetts. Get out of here. Go to Hawaii. You know, go to. No Hawaii. one wants to come to Texas to visit me. That's cool. Yeah, no one want to do Hawaii. You know what I mean? Like, I went <laughs> surfing, but you know, I'll say that I went surfing. You know, um, you know, go ahead and uh, you know, maybe with some of the winnings, I'd go and try to entice some people on on the show. Like Dog the Bounty Hunter will bring him on the show. Have a little combo with Dog. Stuff like that, because I feel like he'd be in Hawaii. I feel like when you watch his episodes, he's in Hawaii. That's a random guest, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Maybe get on that. So, gotcha. all right. Well, that's uh, <clears throat> we're gonna land this now. Episode number twenty-six. It's the Red Sox have released Jackie Bradley Jr. Breaking news today. Um, JBJ's tenure in the in the city of Boston is now officially over. Um, for now, who knows? He could come back minor league deal, whatever, but JBJ is done. Please make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get the latest Obstruct Review Red Sox podcast that drops. Typically our shows are recorded on Tuesday, drops on a Wednesday. Uh, this week it drops on Thursday. Sorry. Um, this episode is going to be out very, very soon. Um, and then also head over to um, Twitter. Go to Obstruct View. That is our Twitter handle smash that follow button. There will be a link tree link in the bio. Click on that. You can find us on TikTok. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us individually. Um, don't follow Steve because he doesn't come on the show anymore. But, um, <laughs> but make sure that check you check out Beyond the Monster because we all right. We all have great. We, wanna, we do want to go over to Beyond the Monster. Click on that. Click the subscribe button. And you'll get the latest content that drops. A lot of really good stuff coming there. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there'll be a feature with a uh, with a Red Sox prospect coming up pretty soon. Um, there'll be some other things that are going to be dropping down as well. Um, but yeah, content every single day, super easy. And everything that we just said is free. We're not asking you to give us any money. All we want you to do is give us your email so we can bombard your email with our content. So for Steve, who's out on another date leaving the podcast high and dry, Miggy in Texas, Jamie in South Carolina, me here in Massachusetts. Thank you. Episode 26 in the book. Peace. Hello, Michael.